Good morning, Olive Branch. It's great to be here with you guys this morning. We got the students taking off out in the back. So if you're in the junior high or high school age, you can uh, go ahead and join up with the team, uh, the the crowd that's heading out the back, still going, still going. That's great. That's awesome. Praise God for that. And this morning, I want to point you forward to next week. If you weren't here last week, we didn't get, you probably didn't hear this discussion, but I really want to encourage you to be here next week. We are talking about what I believe is probably the primary, most powerful aspect of our faith that influences our culture. Our culture is dealing with a lot of questions, and primarily that main question is, what is the value of a human being? I actually had an amazing four-hour conversation about this very topic with a non-Christian on a plane flight this week. And uh, I'm telling you, guys, if you get this in, if we learn this, you're going to have a lot of directions to go. And we're going to be discussing this. We give one week every year to the image of God, and we talk about it in detail because we want you guys to know what's the value of a human. How does it affect our world? How does it affect our, our politics, our politics? policies, our social lives, all these pieces. So be here next week. I think it's going to open your mind up to a lot of awesome pieces. But in the meantime, we are this morning concluding our, um, our series on soul detox. And if you have been here with us, how many guys have just been eaten up by this series so far? Throw your hand up real quick. Eating up, loving it, whatever. If you're loving it, say woohoo. Yes, thank you. I love you people. That's awesome. I like the woohooers. This is good stuff. And so Soul Detox, we've been rolling through this. And honestly, there have been a bunch of amazing pieces that have come up in my own personal life, my family's life. I know in the conversations of of Olive Branch, we have uh, just, we've been being transformed by God. And that's what God, I believe, really wants to do with us at Olive Branch, that we are to be just cleaned out and changed. Um, and so before we even do any of this, though, uh, we open this series with prayer. I want to close this series with prayer. And so I want to ask, uh, just, let's just thank God and ask him to bless this final message as we dive in and your small groups as you go out. So let, let, let's do this together. Lord God, I just, um, I just ask that you would be present in this time because you have done so much. You have just overwhelmed us with what you are are showing us in our hearts, showing us in our church. And we want to say thank you. Thank you for what you've given us in the word. Thank you for um, Life Church, Craig Rochelle, and and all the efforts they put into kind of packaging this and and our ability to take it and use it. Thank you for the staff and Justin and the small group teams and all those leaders for, for their time to invest in our hearts and our souls. And we ask that you just continue to just be here with us now this Sunday morning as we are here to celebrate you, to celebrate your story, to celebrate what you've done. But God, it was so much to be changed by you. Thank Thank you that you are changing us and may you be exalted in all that goes on in here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Are we here? Are we ready? Because you know what? This, we've learned a bunch. I love my woohooers. Keep it going. You know, uh, there's a bunch of stuff going on in our hearts and our souls. You may, some of you guys, how many got a list coming into Soul Detox? You just pull, you have a list of things that you need to change, adjust. You've just been punished by whatever God's good. Some of you are list takers. The rest of you are going, I got that one thing in my head. Some of you guys are going, what are you talking about? We're doing Soul Detox? What's happening? But um, the danger, there's a danger in what we've been going through. And one of the dangers is that we can think we're ready for this. I was a youth pastor many years ago, and um, we, I was doing kind of the, the both and at the same time. We were being in a transition. Senior pastor was in, I, I believe he was, had to take a sabbatical at the time. So I was teaching in the youth, and I was teaching in the main service. And during that time period, we did this big-time hardcore rock concert over in the B Auditorium. Bunch of students, like a couple hundred students, fill in the room, and they would back out. And as the, as the, the fluffy, you know, kind of thing was going on. Um, 
whatever they were saying. I like fluffy bunnies. That's fun for me. But, um, you know, they're doing this. Kids are like dislocating their shoulders and spinning them out of control and running in circles. They called it um, a hardcore dancing or something like that. I'm thinking, I'm watching kids stand there in the middle and they're blocking. They're like, it's like MMA at church. You know, it's kind of this whole thing going on. And I'm thinking, I got this. I can stand nearby, watch what's going on. So I'm putting my arms up when I can. Apparently, I must have put my arms up like this or at the wrong angle or something because I got clocked and my nose got broke. <laughs> Boom, I'm up in front of the church the next Sunday. Hi, guys. I've never broken a bone in my life until this church happened. And, uh, <laughs> But, but what it was, was I was too cocky to get too close to what was going on. I thought I had it figured out. I thought I was strong enough, knew what was going on. Bottom line is, when we're in that position, we're ready for a broken nose. And you may have been going through this soul detox thinking, you got this handled. Man, I'm good, you know. You're actually sitting there in your prayer time going, God, thank you that I'm not like everybody else. That I'm not, I'm not saying mean things. That I'm not envious of anybody. That God, I really don't have any hidden sins. In fact, the few things that you showed me, we've already taken care of. I hope you're not there. I I don't really think anybody is. But if maybe you got an inkling that, I got this whipped. I got this handled, sold. I'm detoxed. I'm good to go. I want to challenge you that maybe you should hear what Jesus said about that guy. See, I just mimicked a man named the Pharisee in one of Jesus' famous parables. And he said there was a Pharisee who came up and and on the distance was a tax collector who wouldn't even look up to God. And the Pharisee stands up and says, God, thank you. I'm not like this tax collector who's got all these problems and this junk and blah, 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 and and all this stuff. So I'm amazing. And wow, thank God. And then he turns and talks about the tax collector. He says, the tax collector wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. And he said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And I bring this parable up for two reasons. Number one, to say that if we're coming in here this morning, we think we got this whipped, we think we're all soul detoxed out, and we're like Jesus' favorite friend, and he's going to use us greatly. And, you know, I want you to be cautious. You might get your nose broke. And at the same time, if you're here and you're just torn up by this series, or maybe you're just torn up by life, you haven't even been in this series, you're just walking in going, oh, good, this is a place of torn up people. Welcome. Because the bottom line, you know what God said about this guy? He said, that guy walked away righteous. That guy walked away right with God. Because he was willing to admit, I got problems, I got mess, I got mistakes, I got issues. God, I need your help. You know what? That's where we're at. Amen? That's what we should be at as a church. Especially after looking at our hidden sins, at our anger, at our bitterness, at our envy, at the way we use our words, at our fears, at all these toxic relationships. Maybe you found out you were the toxic relationship. You've got so much stuff to look at. I hope we're coming in going, God, I don't know what to do with this thing you call a life, but I need to give it back to you because I've run it into the ditch again. And and that's where I think I want our heart condition to be at. That today we come in here, we understand that we need God to work, that something needs to happen because we've just gone through this series, but God's only begun the detox. Detox takes time. It's not a six weeks and boom, we're good and clean to go. No, in fact, I would argue that we're just at the beginning. No, what we need to do is we need to begin to see what God really wants to do, what he really wants to bring out, and what he's, what he's transforming in us, the change that God is calling in us. Because the change he calls in you, the change he calls for is the change he's going to empower. It's going to shape us. It's going to energize us. We're not alone. You might feel like you're failing at this detox thing already, but I want to tell you, God's ready to start working.
And I want to encourage you and get into this because really where we're starting with is God wants to change your living. God wants to change my living. He wants to change all of Branch's living. No, I'm not talking about change our life. I'm talking about our living. Life is kind of this concept of all of us. I'm talking about today, who you are right now, and the decisions you make at this moment. God's about the present. Have you ever noticed that? He forgives the past. He gives us hope for the future. But he's talking about, when he talks about change, he's talking about right now, the decision in front of you. Not tomorrow's decision, but this one now. The change right now of your living. Because if you change today, if you change right now, you change tomorrow and the future and the next day, and you regret less about the past. And so what we want to do this morning is now having this huge list of stuff that we know needs to be adjusted, we know needs to be changed, we need to ask ourselves some hard questions. We need to dive into this because God wants to change this living. But here's the problem. Before we even dive into that list and stuff, some of us are running into a problem. It's called excuses. Anybody already made some excuses? Anybody found some excuses ready on hand to pull out of your wallet? You have your excuse cards ready to go. No, we need to, to address these things because the bottom line is change is painful and we all know it. The Bible's really explicit about this. In fact, in the book of Romans, chapter 5, you'll see verse 4, but this is referencing um, a section where Paul is talking about, and God is talking about the change God wants to do in us. And so it really begins this way. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Suffering produces endurance. You know what's fun is I can preach on this message and say, let's all go sign up to to live this out outside. We're not going to get a very long line. Because nobody likes to sign up for the suffering train. Nobody goes, give give, give me suffering. And yet, as Americans, we kind of do. You know, we get memberships in suffering. It's called LA Fitness, you know. Because we know there's no pain, no gain kind of concept, but that's exactly what Paul's talking about in the spiritual life. Guys, we have to have this suffering that's going to produce this endurance, and endurance is going through it, pushing through it to get the character. God wants to change our living. He wants to change our present. He wants to change how we respond and deal with things coming at us, but that means we have to go through pain to get to where we know God wants us to be. But we are not a pain-loving society. Face it, humans don't like pain in general, but as Americans, we have turned this into an art form. So much so, many Americans are addicted to painkillers. We have, we take our Advil, our acetaminophen, whatever it is, our ibuprofen, we we pop them because we don't want to feel the pain. And if we could find some way to give you, put you through pain in life and give you a little dose of painkiller for like, you know, character transformation painkiller, we'd probably take it. But we have that. It's called an excuse. It's the reason why we don't do this, why we don't change. Because God says, hey, there's this list. We need to do something. We go, you know, that one's not that important. No, this series was great. Check. We're good. Can we finish now, please? Some of us are at the place where we're like, yeah, you know, that would, that would cost too much at work to really deal with that problem. I'm not going to do that. And we get into this cycle of stuff that we make excuses over. And we don't want to go through that pain. So you know what it turns all that list into? It turns it into a bunch of good intentions. Anybody, anybody keeping their New Year's resolution still? Throw your hand up real quick. There's always a couple. Cool. How many of your New Year's resolution was, I will never make a New Year's resolution? So yeah, there you go. So, that's an easy one to keep, by the way, if you want to be a success. No, aim low. So the point is that... Um, we don't do this. Our, good, our New Year's resolutions turn into good intentions a lot of times. We know we should do these things. We know we head out. We head out with all this gusto and pump and power. We're like, yeah, and then half, uh, this isn't that good of an idea. 
I'm done. I went halfway. Check. You know, we're good. But the point is simply this, guys. We don't want good intentions when it comes to a soul detox. You don't want to have a good intention to become better with your mouth. I want good intentions to stop, to stop cussing. I want good intentions to stop lusting. I want good intentions to stop gossiping. I want good intentions to stop being bitter. I want to stop. That's a good intention. But are we willing to get active? Are we willing to get moving? Are we willing to put the rubber to the road and start rolling down the street of a true detox? Because that's what it's going to take. Not just identifying things, but actually putting it into action, putting it into your life. That all begins by asking one simple question. Do you really want what God wants for your life? That is a dangerous question. Do you really want what God wants for your life? Do you really want what God wants for Olive Branch? Do we really want what God wants for us? Or do we want what we want? You know, I'll take a little bit of what God wants for me, but I want to be in control of the rest because the bottom line is that's not going to soul detox. We're not going to go anywhere. If we really want what God wants for our life, that means we're going to have to surrender a whole bunch of things that we're not comfortable surrendering. We're going to have to let go of a lot of decisions that we're not comfortable letting go of. And when it comes to some of these hidden sins, it means God's saying, I want you to show them off. When it comes to the way that we speak or think in our minds, it means God's saying, I want you to change that thinking and bless somebody. When it comes to our bitterness, it means I want you to forgive. Guys, that's not easy stuff. And if we don't want what God wants for our lives, it's going to be hard to get past that first initial hump of saying, yes, God, I'm ready for you to change my living. I'm ready for you to transform me. I'm ready to have intentions that are better than good. Because you know what's beautiful about God? He knows who you are. Think about it. I mean, he really knows who you are. He knew you before you were born. He created you. He had the idea of you. He sat there and thought, this is a great person to create. I want to make this person. He brought you into existence, and he knows everything you've done, everything you will do, all the way into eternity. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he has good intentions for us. He has God intentions for us. He has a calling and a direction, according to the scriptures, that we can walk in if we're willing to follow with him. But the bottom line is, we all want to go our own direction. There's a tension involved there. But if we want what God wants for us, we got to be willing to say, God, you know me best. If I want to be a passionate Christ follower to do what God's called me to do, then i got to be willing to say, God, you need to change what you need to change in me. And that's where it starts. You may have your list. You may have yourself ready. But have you sat down and asked God, God, what is it you want to change in me? We may know what we want to change in ourselves. But have we, have we really asked and known what God wants to change in our life by asking him? Big difference between going, God, what do you want to change in me versus what do I really want to change in this mess? Yeah, I think I would feel less guilty if I let out my sins. Yeah, I think I would feel less burdened if I actually forgave those people. Those are good things. You should do those. But what is it God, what is God really trying to change in you? What is that thing that he's really trying to shape in you so that you become exactly aimed in the direction that he is calling you to go? And many of us have gone through this entire detox series and we have yet to have said, God, out of all this stuff, what do you want me to focus on? What do you want to change in me? That's a big question. And we should prayerfully consider this. In fact, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you about a minute to start doing that. Some of you can 
God will tell you today because you've got your list. You know. You could just pinpoint it off. God will bring a scripture to your mind that you've been reading or you've been doing a study and you're already coming in going, I can't believe he just said that, kind of a thing. So I want you right now, where you're at, bow your head. Take a minute. Take a minute and ask God. Ask him. Don't ask your inner heart. Or just say, God exists. He's in this room. He is, he is living and powerful. And he may bring up to your mind what he wants to change in you. And so right now, ask him. You know, right now, God may have spoken to some of you guys using Scripture or pointing out one of the things on the list. Write that down. Write it down. Others of you may be like, I heard the hum of the fans. That's okay. You're not alone. There's a lot of us in this room who heard the hum of the fans. You didn't hear anything. That's okay. It's, God doesn't like, oh, Greg, you will change. That's not what we're talking about here. What I am talking about, though, is that you probably need to spend some time in prayer and in the Word of God to allow the Scriptures to convict you on what you ought to change. And that's going to require you to get some time away from your busy, crazy life. In fact, what I would recommend is that you guys get a quarter, once a quarter, get some time, like a half a day at the least, with just you and God. My wife and I, we've tried, to, we've tried to reserve each other a day, once a quarter, not monthly. I mean, this is once every three months where I'm able to get away for the day, sit down with the word of God. She's able to get away, sit down with the word of God, praying and talking and writing and journaling. I have yet to have come away from one of those experiences where God hasn't slapped me upside the head, shown me what he wanted to do, and it's made a radical difference in where I've been going. Guys, you need to schedule that stuff in. Yeah, some of you, one minute, boom, you're good because he's been working on you for six weeks. Others of us, it's going to take a little while. And that's okay. And we should be sitting ready with the word of God going, God, show me what it is. And some of you are going to come down to the fact that you're like, look, all I know is this is the problem I'm having. And he's going, let's do that. Let's do that. Good, write it down. Ask God, what do you want to change in me? Write it down. It's way different than, what do I want to change in me? You need to know what God is calling us to change. Then, then, you, need to, then you need to get that motivation, that real motivation. You know, not, that, not that New Year's resolution motivation, God's motivation. And that comes from going back to God. And you can't do that in here, so we all need this retreat thing. You need to go back to God and go, God, why do you want to change this in me? Ask him why he's bringing this up. What's the point? Because the bottom line is sometimes God wants to change something in you. You don't want to change. You don't think you need to stop with your language. You don't think you need to stop being a realist when God's actually calling you critical. Did I just say that? You know, it's like... (laughs) God doesn't, you, you go, I'm fine with my prayer life. God's going, no, we need to go deeper. For me, it was sitting down and God literally telling me that, that up, at, up at Forest Home while I'm preaching, he's going, Greg, you're not going anywhere unless you start really abiding with me. And one of the things I did is I turned off the radio in my car. I told you guys this at the beginning of the series and I told you this is how it goes. This is awesome, this is awesome. I'm about at the point going, why am I doing this again? I'm kind of tired of this. It's really quiet in the car, a lot. And yet, through this time, God has begun to remind me, look, 
You need me right now. You need to talk to me right now. You need to be practicing prayer in this car. You need to be thinking about the scriptures in this car because you need to abide with me because you're going to go through a lot and there's a lot to be dealing with. And time after time after time, he's been slapping me upside the head while I've been going through this six-week process or a little longer of having nothing on in the car. The only reason I have that motivation is because God was telling me at the beginning, you're going to need this. You're going to need this for your backbone. You're going to need this to keep going through the problems. And the only reason I have the motivation is because he's shown me I need this. But having knowledge of where he's taking me and what he wants to do from the scriptures, and this was scriptural. I was preaching this, and that's why he was showing me. I was studying the word of God. This isn't just sitting there waiting for God to show up. This is being in the word of God and letting him speak to you through the word that you come to this conclusion that God is wanting me to do this because of this. He wants you to have the mind of Christ, and so you need to stop looking or watching those media things. He wants you to have, let, bear the love of Christ to people in your, in, your, in your workplace, and so he wants you to forgive that guy and get over it. You know, we look at it and we go, well, you want me to stop watching this stuff because, well, you just want to spoil my fun, but okay, whatever, you know, or it's just really bad. When we do that, we're going to be legalists telling everybody else why they can't watch that stuff. But when you come to realize God's closing the door for you over here because he wants you to go do something, it changes your motivation. God, the church has gotten so caught up in don't, 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 and they forgot that when God says don't, don't, he's actually just going, why would you do this? Go do that. Do, 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 do. Do, do this, do this, do this. Pray for that person, bless that person. Go out there and serve those people. Get in there and, and forgive that guy. Serve, whatever it is. God has got a do list for us that comes from this and that's found out when he tells you why. So spend that time to get to the why. Does that make sense? Say no. <laughs> Be in the word Ask him what he's doing. Ask him why he's doing it. You'll be shocked as you be, he begins to tell you what's up. And then you're going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem. You're going to run into yourself again. Let me explain it. You see, the change God asks for is the change he empowers. The change that God wants to move in your life is the one that he's going to energize and move you forward. And it's shown throughout Scripture time and time again when God steps up to tell somebody to do something, but we inevitably get in the way. I'll give you the best example is go to Exodus chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, do that. We're going to look at a man named Moses. Moses, we all know Moses, right? Moses is the, the head of the, Jewish, uh, of, of the Jewish religion. He's the founder of it, as we know him to be. And uh, he is a man who was born in Egypt in a time of slavery where the Hebrews were held in slavery and he was basically saved from death in the Nile River by being brought up by Pharaoh's daughter, the king of Egypt. Raised in the household of the king of Egypt, he is raised as a prince of Egypt. He finds himself then one day wandering about the city and an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew. He knows he's Hebrew, so he attacks the Egyptian, kills him, buries him in the sand thinking, we're going to start a revolution. Instead, he gets found out by his own people, and he runs into the wilderness for 40 days, living in this, or 40, 40 years, living in this place called Midian. And God wants to get a hold of him finally. Where he thought he's going to start a revolution, Paul, God shows up and says, hey, Moses. And he gets his attention with this burning bush, that you got, bush thing that you guys have all heard of. 
And next thing you know, he's walking up the bush and he's seeing it's not burning up. And God says, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to let my people free. You know what Moses does? He rises up and goes, yeah, time to start the revolution. No. God's calling him, showing him, this is my calling for you. And Moses goes, yeah, about that idea. We make excuses. How many of us thought that when we'd hear what God's calling is for our lives, we'd be like, I'm on it. This is awesome. No, most of the time we're going to make excuses. Most of the time we're going to be like, well, I can't because, you know, I'm too busy. I got to be at the soccer game. Yeah, you know, I can't because, well, that would cost too much. You know, what would they think of me? Yeah, I can't. You know, I've been doing this like this forever. It's just not, it's just not going to change. I failed trying to change this so many times. I've already tried that. Didn't work. Moses, check out what he does. Starts with the excuses, chapter 4. Then Moses answered, but behold, they're not going to believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. I always think of this like a child-parent conversation. You know, God's kind of talking to his kid. What's that in your hand? A staff. Okay, well, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. By the way, never do that to a snake, just so you know. So he put out his hand, caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. In other words, this is the sign I give to you. And again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was leprous, like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put it back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. They will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign. They may believe the latter. And if they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. In other words, he says, yeah, I don't want to go. I, 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 yeah, nobody's going to believe me. You know, I'm going to look foolish. They're not going to trust me. I, I'm going to lose prestige or, you know, and he goes, Here. Let me show you I'm with you. You can do these signs, and they'll prove that I'm with you. Excuses done. Got it? I mean, Moses just saw God do two miracles in his face, promised a third. You'd think Moses would be like, dude, this God's with me. Let's go. Nope. But Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. I can't preach. I can't talk to Pharaoh. You're raised in this house. Probably know, you probably know him, but I just see God sitting here. If he was physical, he'd be just like, okay, really? What, what are you doing, dude? The Lord said, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, Go. I'll be with your mouth. I'll teach you what to speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. I can't do it, God. I just can't. I don't have the ability. I'm not powerful enough. I'm not a good speaker. I can't program code. I just, whatever. Excuse me? Excuse me? Did I not make everything? 
It's just a parable for us as we begin. Guys, we're going to have our excuses. We're going to throw it down. God says, change this, and we're going to go, I can't do that. Oh, I can't, I can't. It's just not possible. And what we're doing is we're focusing on our inability. Like we should be focused on God's unlimited ability versus our inability. When it comes to transformation that God's called you to, he's going to empower it. And he's unable to fail. He has unlimited ability. Do we realize this about God? God's not this small little being out there going like, oh man, I can't solve that one. That equation's way too hard. No, God is so stinking smart, so capable of solving things. Here's what he did. He took all of human sin, every human problem, all of the mess, all of the destruction, all of the evil that we do to ourselves, and he sat back and he said, I can solve that with one solution. You realize that? God didn't need 50 solutions. He didn't need 30,000. He needed one solution for every person's problem. No, he said, I can solve all of humanity's problems with one solution. We think we're all bent out of shape like, oh, no, you know, there's only one way to heaven. Yeah, because God's that smart. He actually can solve all the problems of all humanity just with one solution. He takes the human evil and the human problem and he puts it on the cross and he punishes all that sin and deals with the justice and Jesus takes it so humanity doesn't have to and then he says, I'm going to move into your life and I'm going to lead you forward from there. You got God with you, living in you, if you receive Jesus Christ, guiding you and walking with you and empowering you so you can live out what he's called you to do, so you can live out what he has for you to do, so you can live out the change he has, and it's not you trying to do it. You're not white-knuckling it going, I hope this works. No, he is working through you and in you powerfully to lead you to the transformation. You see, Jesus is our hero, and we want to be like Jesus, and guess what? Because God dwells us, we're going to get to be like Jesus because he's working through us. One solution, God's huge. He knows how to do this. And we're all running around going, how do we solve that? How do we solve that? How do we solve that? God's presence is with us. He solved it by dealing with sin on the cross. And now he wants to work with us. Now here's what's funny. A lot of people look at this. I said, we need to focus on God's unlimited ability. That word usually comes off as, you need to, you need to trust God's power. And we all think of God's power like this, this supernatural power that's going to come on us and move us and motivate us as if we grabbed the prongs of the plug and accidentally touched it when you put it. You ever done that? Don't do it. it, it I was a kid. I was plugging in a TV once, black, old black and white TV in my garage. And I was like, whoa. Slightly exhilarating, very painful. You know, it's like that was, that's kind of how we think about God's power. That's not God's power. Dive into the word on power. Dunamis in the Greek, and I forget what it is in, in, in the Hebrew, but they both mean one, one term. It's a very powerful term. It means ability. That's it. Just means ability. God can and when we sit here and God says, we're going to change this, and we go, I can't, we mean actually one other thing. I don't want to, which is why I asked the question at the beginning of the sermon. Do you really want what God wants for your life? Because you have to make that hurdle to get past the I don't want to in order to get to the place where when God says, let's go this way, and you go, I can't, he goes, that's right, I can. I don't have the power, I do, he says. 
And when we come to this, we need to focus on the reality that there's no problem God hasn't solved. There's no issue that he can't handle and that he can when we can't. I'm not eloquent, neither in the past or since you've spoken to me. I'm slow tongue. I can't. God says, who made the mouth? Who makes it deaf or mute or blind or sight? I can. That's what he's saying. And really, he turns to Moses and he says, listen, buddy, stop whining. Start trusting me. Ow, because I'm a whiner. I am a whiner. I whine all the time. God, I can't do this. No, no, it's just kind of scary and it's going to be hurt and it's going to go on. And he's like, when are you going to start trusting me? And we had a heart to heart. He really heart to hearted me the other day on this. When I came to realize I've received God's promise in his Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, have you received God's promise in his Holy Spirit? Yes. Every Christian in the room has God's presence with them. And with that comes love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and giftedness to serve others and God's love to flow through you and a unity of the brothers and all this stuff is all packaged because God is present in our lives. And he's sitting there going, when are you just going to trust me? When are you going to stop sitting here going, I can't have a self-control? And when are you just going to trust me? I've given you the self-control. And you go, God, I trust that you've given me your self-control. And start moving. We're waiting around for God to somehow give us some sign. I've given you self-control. He already said that. It's in here. Our problem is we, 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 we sit around, we whine about it. I don't want self-control. He's going, when are you going to just step out and have self-control? When are you going to just move? You can't. I can. Take a step. Watch. I'll help you. And so some of us, we're sitting here, we're struggling with cussing, and we feel it coming out. And we go like, wait a minute. God, I trust that you've given me your love. I'm not going to cut people down with my language. God, I trust that you've given me patience. And we just take a practice of patience. We just step forward. And you may fail, but you're practicing. I find very often when I finally do that, and I just say, God, I'm going to trust you for that you've given me the mind of Christ. And I just say that, and I take a step toward what would Christ think about. Suddenly, I'm, I'm able to start thinking about things Christ cares about. When I start going, God, I'm scared. But you know what? You've given me courage. And I take a step. Suddenly, I'm, I'm living out courageously. Where I didn't have it before, I have it when I've trusted that he's given me the promise. He's already promised it. When are we going to believe that God's real and he's really given us these things? And we live in it. We step in it. We move in it. Now, saying the words do anything, God does this. God is with us. So let's, we kind of need to stop whining and start trusting. And really, we need to stop waiting and start acting. A lot of us can do this analysis to paralysis thing. That's me. I'll take you back a few years ago. I was sitting at uh, La Cabana. Anybody was a fan of La Cabana and is sad it's no longer here? Yes, me too. Sit there after uh, youth ministry things with my friends Roger and Karen. We were, it was Valentine's Day. We were sitting there at La Cabana and we were going to have this big Valentine's night thing where we watched the kids for the, for the moms and dads. And, and we were doing this thing. And I'm sitting there in La Cabana, and I get a phone call. And I'm like, we had just been talking about this really hot girl I had met. And she's, she called me. I'm like, whoa, okay, that's cool. So I'm like, what do I do? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, we got the thing tonight. And I think she wants to do something tonight. And it's Valentine's Day. She's like, 
They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, we got all, and I start going back through, and they're like, you know, my friend Roger leans over, he says, you need to stop thinking and just start doing. Call her and go out on a date with her. We got this thing. And me and my wife, we've loved it ever since. This is one of our favorite stories. (laughs) But if I had never listened about stop thinking, stop waiting, go, it probably wouldn't have worked out real well. I wouldn't have married that hot girl. She is hot. So (laughs) put it a different way. When you as a parent walk up to your child and you say, go clean your room, and they look up at you and say, Sure, soon as I'm done with this game. How many of you parents just go, okay, that's fine. If that's you, grow a spine. No, no, just kidding. Most of us, when that, in my house when that happens, it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna take that control. Take it out of the ground. Because when we ask our children to do something, we mean when? Now, when God asks us to do something, when does he mean? When he's asking you to change, he means now. He's ready now. Not next week, not two years from now, not when you finally come around to it. He's talking about now. Stop waiting. Start acting. Stop overthinking it. Get moving. God is ready to take you on a journey, to transform you, to take you where he's longed for you to go. You may not want or think you can do it right now, but through him you can. And in our weaknesses, he is strong. And he transforms lives as we surrender and step by step like Abraham Walk by faith, trust. It's not easy. It's painful. Are you courageous enough to take the journey? Because it begins. I'm excited to where he wants to take us. Are you? I love the woohoo people. Well, Mike's me and you, buddy. We're going to do this together. <laughs> Maybe you got some things you got to work with with God. Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe right where you're at right now, you know you're asking God, well, why? What, what, what do you want to change in me? You're back to that question. Maybe some of you are at this processing thing like, God, I need your strength. I need you to keep moving me forward. And if that's where you're at right now, awesome. But some of you are actually at a different place you're going, how, how does God want to change me? I don't understand this. And part of the problem is that you, you're not in a relationship with God yet. And I just want to be honest. It's that one solution I'm talking about, the reason it works, is because the problem humanity faces is not that we're incompetent. It's not that we, we mess things up because we just didn't know. Honestly, the problem is that we don't have that relationship with the God who we were supposed to know all the time. And so we look to drugs, we look to alcohol, we look to friends, we look to counselors, we look to all kinds of things to fix us, to take it away, take the problem away, but only God is capable of solving the problems. But you have to have a relationship with him in order for that to occur. So what he did is he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bear our sins, all the muck, all the mire, all the garbage, all the things that we were ashamed of. And he knew about it already and he put it on Jesus Christ. And Jesus bore that sin willingly for you if you were willing to receive his work. 
And when you receive that, he forgives you of your sins. And what's beautiful is then he comes into your life to live with you, to walk with you, to lead you. And he changes us. But you have to receive what Jesus Christ has done so that sin is dealt with and that relationship is healed. And this morning, you can reject that. You can push it away. Know that he will deal with your sin one day. He'll deal with it in a courtroom setting because he can't let evil just go. He can't let sin just leave. He's too good for that. But he's not in the courtroom setting today. He's not condemning you. He's actually here to say, here, I want to forgive you. I offer you a free gift, my son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. If you'll just receive it, I'll forgive you. You don't work and clean up for it. You don't make yourself ready for it. You just receive it when he offers it. And maybe this morning, that's where you're at. You need to receive the gift from God that Jesus Christ has taken your sins. If that's where you're at, I want to give you that opportunity right now. You know God is calling you. Come, receive this gift. Be forgiven. And if he's doing that to you right now, or if you want to receive that right now, put your hand up. I want to walk you through a prayer. It gives you that chance just to say, yes, God, I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want a relationship with you. And by putting that hand up, you're indicating to me, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Some of you are in this room this morning and you're, and you're ready right now to do that. If you got your hand raised or if you're just ready, I want to give you a chance. You just talk to God on your own. You just confess those sins that he's bringing to your mind or those sins that are bothering your heart. Just give them to him. He already knows about them. And just confess them up to him. And now what we're going to do is we're going to do a process called repentance. You're going to turn away from those sins and you're going to tell God that you're willing to trust that Jesus bore them for you and that you are willing to receive his forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And now you're just going to say, God, I, I want a relationship with you and be willing to follow him for the rest of your life. Just let him know you're willing to do those, those things. And God, for those who have prayed this prayer in this room this morning, you've heard them. You see that they're willing to turn away from their sin to trust you and follow after you. I pray that you would come into their life and you'd give them just the direction and the need and the change that you're providing them. God, for the rest of us in this room, who are wrestling through the things that you want to change in us. God, we trust that you've given us the courage because you're still on the throne. And we trust that you've given us what we need because we can't, but you can. We thank you for that opportunity to walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen.